All right, tonight we're going to continue our study in the doctrine of godless evolution, part two. So as we saw last week, I talked a little bit about evolution and how we had uh, some people who had written things about evolution who are some of our favorites, like Billy Graham and C.S. Lewis, and uh, we'll do that. We'll catch up there right quick and move on to godless evolution, part two. But before we do, as is our custom, let's remember the application of 1 John 1, 9 as may or may not be necessary. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to study Your Word. Guide us now and direct us, for I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, as we saw last week in part one, the creation was an immediate act of God prior to time as we know it. The restoration began our account of time. Time is an invention of God, and we both use and abuse it. Creation was an independent act by an independent God who pre-existed all things, and this included time as we know it. Alright, as we also saw last week, much has changed concerning how we think planet Earth came into being. You remember we looked at the Big Bang Theory and noted how it's pretty well the consensus now that it all happened at one time. There was no evolution of uh, the planets and the Earth. So religion and science are now much closer with reference to their views as to how planet Earth quote, evolve. Christian men like Dr. Francis Collins, who now heads uh, he heads up the National Institutes of Health, uh, have written uh, books, as has Billy Graham and C.S. Lewis, mentioning evolution in the Christian faith. So before continuing our study of Darwin and his theory... I want to introduce a point or two about creation by fiat. Alright, I personally am not sure which I prefer after studying what we studied last week, whether I prefer an ape for an ancestor or an ape for a descendant, but in either case, I'm glad that God said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So let's see what the Bible has to say about creation, chaos, and restoration. And I did put out a few of the booklets written by Colonel Theme entitled Creation, Chaos, and Restoration. So let's begin by reading what the book of Genesis has to say about the original creation, the ensuing chaos, and the six-day restoration. But first, a few introductory remarks. God is the creator of all things. Uh, From the onset in the book of Genesis, the focus of the creation revelation turns upon the Almighty God. God is the beginning and the cause and the source of all that is. In the creation and later the restoration, God brought into being all that fits into His plan for the ages. 
So God miraculously spoke into existence all physical matter necessary for His purposes of creation and the restoring of the earth. With the phrase in the beginning, which is Bereshit, Be is the preposition for in, and Reshit means, of course, to begin with before anything was. Moses, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, takes the reader back before time into the unfathomable reaches of eternity. He seeks to suggest the state of things before time was. Moses, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, gives no hint of a tangible date for the beginning. The creation account reaches back into a space before there was a dating of events. Alright, the sublime, the sublime sovereignty of the revelation is based on this one mighty assertion. God did it. It is called creation by fiat. Nothing more astounding could be declared. In the beginning, Elohim, El meaning the word for God, and Elohim is the plural, or Ohim, Im actually is the suffix, plural, created out of absolutely nothing, Elohim, created, bara, out of absolutely nothing, planet earth, and all surrounding celestials, both seen and unseen, known and unknown. So repeating, El is the usual word for God in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Arabic. In all three languages, it is actually plural in form, but it is used with verbs in the singular. So in Elohim is united all the powers of eternity and infinity, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. So as noted created, bara in the Hebrew, is a verb which is used exclusively for an act of God. Man cannot reach up to the powers inherent in this word, for it describes a miracle whereby undefined perfection was created from absolutely nothing. But the sovereign, originative power of God, something absolutely new under that power, was first brought into being only to be scarred and then restored. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and it's followed by the second verse. Now the earth was, Hayah, formless, Tohu, and empty, Bohu, darkness was over the surface of the deep. I, uh, when I first uh, decided I wanted to learn the Hebrew, I asked Bob Keck, who was the pastor here, when I served as his assistant for several years, if he had uh, any saved any of his books from seminary, and he in he on Hebrew, and he says yes, and the very first word, not first word, the very first sentence, which is not unusual when you're studying a foreign language, uh, in Hebrew was Hayah, the to be verb, and it immediately said it can be translated either was or became, or become, uh, depending upon the context. Is it was, or is it become, or became? Of course, it could be, you know, uh, 
two, it can be B, B E, but uh, you have to choose. So now the earth was Hayah, farmless, and then the word Tohu, farmless, and empty, Bohu, and darkness was upon the surface of the deep. So immediately you know, and I was also interested to hear Kim say that his dad was a minister and uh, he told him as, or maybe I guess it was his dad or granddad told him that Hayah was mistranslated that it should be became rather than was and the reason that is is because when you have a verb like Hayah and it can go either way and you know that all scriptures God breathed and is profitable for doctrine. There are no errors in it, and what it says is true, absolute word of God. So you go to Isaiah forty five eighteen, and it says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created, and that's the same word we find in Genesis. Bara. He didn't create it not in vain. Tohu, same word of one of the two adjectives, tohu vabohu, but only tohu is used there. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. And that he did not create it. They got the negative not there. He created it not in vain. So if it says it wasn't created in vain in Isaiah, it wasn't. Absolute truth of the word of God. So when you have a choice for Hayah, you immediately know, don't put in was, Bubba. Put in again, became. So you have to decide then what happened. Apparently it was created perfect, and it became Tohu Vabohu. And that's where, uh, in my view, we get an idea of the fall of Satan, because I don't know of anything else in the Bible that would give us any indication of what happened. And so I think we can safely assume, and I shall teach, uh, that it was created perfect. Satan fell. He went down to planet Earth. He messed it up. And that's why it had to be restored. And we will look at the doctrine of restoration as we proceed. Okay, point 11. The Scriptures direct our intention toward a tiny little planet called Earth and the many created beings that would ultimately live upon it. I know uh, Dr. Francis uh, uh, says uh, that uh, one, of the, one of the statements in the book, I'm forgetting exactly how he phrases it, but he says, isn't it interested, uh, Francis Collins, of course, I'm talking about, isn't it interesting that this little tiny place just sat there and waited for us to appear? And, uh, of course, I thought that he was, he was being, of course, uh, very descriptive of the concept that the earth evolved. Because prior to the Big Bang Theory, which didn't actually, uh, didn't come into being till many, many years after Hubble said, my telescope says it did not evolve. It came boom, just like that. And then finally, Einstein had, of course, believed in the evolution of the earth. And his theory and his formula and his all said, you know, it evolved. But he got convinced by Hubble that I'm wrong. I made a mathematical error. 
And it's obviously, boom, it happened. So what caused the boom, you know, is the question that is not answered. And you and I know the answer. And of course, that's when all the planets appeared and little old planet Earth just sat there and waited for man to come along. And God did the work. So uh, Francis Collins believes in the Big Bang Theory. Alright, and uh, here we go. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. So something happened. And I think it was the incompetence of Satan. He couldn't handle it. And so therefore it has to be restored and more of that as we proceed. So the Scriptures, point 11 again, direct our attention toward a tiny little planet called Earth. Little old bitty thing compared to all the other planets. So why? Now you might say, well, how about all this stuff about the things that we're seeing out there and the pilots are noticing these extremely unusual sights, UFOs, uh, radars showing them. We have pictures of them. They go into the ocean and they come out of the ocean. Speeds far beyond anything we could possibly know. And you might say, well, what's the excellent for that? Nobody knows the explanation for that. I have my own theory, and you can have your own theory. One of these days, the rapture is going to happen, and there's going to be explanation. There's life on these other planets that the devil has set up. And the devil is quite capable of causing those little things to go at 13,000 miles an hour, and they dive into the ocean, and they come out of the ocean... And we can't do anything about them because we couldn't catch them if we wanted to. And of course, those things may very well be used to explain when we all vanish and go to heaven. And what a day that shall be, says the song. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout His victory. You know, while they're down here trying to decide what happened. What happened? Oh, I know. Those little guys were they from Planet X and Planet Y and they came down here and stole them and took them up there. Or some other explanation. But there's got to be an explanation. So I look at this as maybe a sign that uh, I'll get rid of these shingles and the rapture will occur. All right, we believe our galaxy contains more than 100 billion. Now, this is this stuff is dated because I wrote this in 1975. We believe our galaxy contains more than 100 billion stars and that our sun is 150 trillion miles from the center of our galaxy. Our galaxy is one of a small cluster of 19 galaxies, the nearest of which is 13 million light years from us, 150 million trillion miles. All right, uh, of course, it changed it quite a bit as the years go by. I hadn't a paragraph on that at the last meeting we had when we looked at uh, evolution part one. So research scientists by using powerful telescopes have discovered more than a billion galaxies and as better telescopes are constructed, the number grows daily. It has been estimated that the number of stars in these galaxies number close to 100 quintillion the candle power of one of the galaxies is equal to that of 400 million suns. As a man looks on the vast creation and reads Moses' inspired account of its origin, 
He cannot help but be filled with awe, reverence, respect, wonder, and perhaps dread. So right now, most, and that includes many avid agnostics, agree the Big Bang Theory is the best guess as to how the universe began. Let's note how similar it is to creation by fiat. Now when a scientist writes about God, his colleagues assume he is over the hill or going bonkers. Ben Stein in his movie Expelled, and I gave copies out. Actually, I didn't give copies. You remember Chris King? I started to say Chris Kringle. <laughs> uh, but uh, Chris, you remember who went here for some time. And uh, uh, he bought copies of the movie Expelled and gave to anybody that wanted one. But it's an excellent movie. So Ben Stein in his movie Expel provides details of how such scientists are ostracized in the scientific community and thus the title of his movie. Chris Kimball was his name. As I peruse the latest scientific literature describing the origin of the planet, I am fascinated by what seems to be a sea change. Rather than an evolving origin, we find a sharply defined punctilious beginning, that is to say creation began at a certain moment in time was the creative agent was it the creative agent or one of the forces of physics or was it as the Old Testament says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth so the essential elements of what is now called the Big Bang Theory are similar to what we find in the book of Genesis According to the Big Bang Theory, everything began suddenly with a great flash and a release of energy. Many scientists are unhappy that the world apparently began in this way. Until recently, most were more comfortable with the steady state theory of development because it was consistent with evolution. The best science now concludes there was a sudden beginning to our grand universe. The Big Bang Theory was first populated, believe it or not, in 1912 at the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona, where several galaxies were observed to be moving away from planet Earth at speeds of millions of miles an hour. The new findings were not reported until 1914 at a scientific meeting. From these empirical observations, Dr. Edward Hubble developed a new scenario for all beginning, and it is now called the Big Bang Theory. Dr. Albert Einstein at first was appalled because such theorizing did not agree with his mathematics. Thus, he rejected the new empiricism. In fact, he would write, This circumstance of an expanding universe irritates me. He later, however, was convinced of the correctness of the theory after meeting with Dr. Hubble. The theory suffered from the age-old problem. From where came the original spark of energy which caused that first explosion? Thus, the natural question, since we now have a beginning, what came before the beginning? Some of the bolder have asked who was the prime mover and was there some intelligent design? Theologians are generally happy with the new theory but most astronomers are very upset. Philip Morrison, a recognized, well-recognized astronomer, said on the British Broadcasting Corporation, I would like to reject the Big Bang Theory. 
but I must accept the facts. As a scientist who has always lived his life by trying, excuse me, tracing cause and effect, and who has lived his life in the power of reason, this story ends in a bad dream. And this uh, little uh, paragraph here, half of the paragraph, is in Dr. Collins's book, uh, The uh, Language of God. I see several of us scientists climbing the mountain of ignorance, and as we reach the last pinnacle, even as we claw our way over the last barrier, there I find thousands of grinning theologians who have been sitting there waiting for us for 2,000 years. So it is difficult not to recognize the hand of God in the beauty and order of the solar system. The word beginning, appearing in Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1, is used in a specialized, absolute sense. The beginning is thus separate, or excuse me, the beginning is thus separate from that which begins, both preceding and transcending time. The beginning refers to that which occurred before God invented time for mortal man. According to Scripture, when categorically studied in the original language, the creation account is the first in a series of acts. There was first a creation, which Isaiah in Isaiah 45.18 tells us was perfect. And I'll read it again. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens... God Himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. The first two verses in the book of Genesis is corrected, incorrected translation. Tells us this perfect creation became without form and void. Tohu va bohu. Va, by the way, is the conjunction and can rewritten varve. Here we go. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, the Trinity, the Trinity created out of absolutely nothing the heavens and the planet Earth and planet Earth. And the Earth became formless and void, empty of any good, and darkness totally devoid of any heat was upon the face of the raging waters, the raging waters surrounding the planet Earth. And the Spirit of God hovered over those raging waters and provided incubating heat. So what caused the perfect creation to become imperfect cries out for an explanation. And that we will develop in, uh, later. That there was a perfect creation which became without form and void is clearly taught in Scripture. Notice Hebrews 1.10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning... Now we go to the Greek. Arche. Not reshit. Arche hath laid or hast laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of thine hands in Psalm 102.25 of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of thy hands creation was an independent act by an independent God a God who pre-existed all things and this included time as we know it John 1.1 states that the logos the Word, which is later is defined as Christ Jesus, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
so in the beginning, Lagos, the word, Christ Jesus, by which the eternal and invisible God is revealed to man, was with God. That is God the Father. The Son was with the Father. Before time was. The Father, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are presented in Scripture as what? Co-equal, co-infinite, and co-eternal. And I refer you to our doctrine of the essence of God. Before anything was the Trinity, or before anything was, there was the Trinity. John, for our edification, distinguishes Jesus, the Word, with the other two members of the Trinity. For you see, only Christ visited planet Earth as the God-man. He came into the world and lived among us as a man, but a God-man. Alright, John 1, 1 and 1, 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. The same was in the beginning with God. And the Word in verse 14 became flesh, Christ, and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Lord Jesus Christ is called the beginning, Arche. He is said to have that characteristic. And is said to pre-exist all things by both Paul in Colossians 1, 17 and 18, and John in Revelation 21, verses 5 and 6. And uh, let me read. Colossians 1.17 And He is before all things and by all things consist. By Him all things consist. And then Colossians 1.18 And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. R.K. again. The firstborn from the dead. And in all things He might have the preeminence. So notice who was the active agent of the creation. It is Jesus Christ. And by Him all things consist. Revelation 21.5 He was seated on the throne. And He said, I am making everything new. Then He said, write this down. Talking to John. For these words are trustworthy and true. And then verse 6 He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega. The beginning. Arche and the end. Now let's briefly explore this much maligned theory called creation by fiat. The work of God in bringing all things into existence is described in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Upon this abbreviated description rests much of what we call creation theology. Although basic, it is unknown and overlooked by most Christians. God the Creator is a personal trinity. He is among other things, sovereign, righteous, just, love, eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, immutable, and true. God alone is eternal, and He is both eminent, existing, and remaining within, and thus an inherent being, and transcendent, preeminent, and supreme with respect to all things. God's act of creation occurred before anything was, and this is what the verb bara communicates. It is translated created and it is only used of God. Created in the KJV of Genesis 1.1. The idea that the present universe has been developed out of prior materials, though commonly led by many religions and philosophies, begs the question. 
it is of paramount importance to recognize that Scripture teaches a finished creation, a fall, a failure, and a restoration. A Scripture or two with comment will best illustrate. And yes, I know, several of these Scriptures have already been mentioned, but a little repetition with comment is needed. I remember I had an electrical engineer that worked with for me one time and he said yes everything has been created that's going to be created and all we do is we adjust the things of the creation that are already there because there is that's the first law of thermodynamics by the way everything has been created that was created we're just manipulating the two and he also used to say you know what we're really doing is just proving the consistency of God you load up this terminal with electrons and this one doesn't have as many and God is consistent and they'll move either toward the holes or away from the holes depending upon your terminology. Alright, here we go. So in the beginning God, Elohim, created Bara, the heaven. Shamayim. Shamayim. You got that. Shamay for heaven and you got the I-M for heavens, plural. And the earth, old Aretz. And the earth was, Hayah, without form and void, Tohu Vabohu, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And the earth, Hayah, was without form, Tohu Vabohu, and darkness, Choshek, was upon the uh, face of the deep. Darkness there is actually a word that means no heat whatsoever. Uh, kind of indicates an ice age, perhaps. Uh, Choshek. And uh, it's used of a bird sitting on a nest incubating eggs elsewhere in the Bible. So that would tend to indicate that the Ice Age was thought if, in fact, there was an Ice Age. So just a little aside comment, so to speak. And it was up on the face of the deep. The raging waters is what they were used there in the Hebrew. So no heat whatsoever on the face of the raging waters. The earth was completely covered with water and apparently there was no heat in that water. And that would tend to indicate ice. Alright, now notice again Isaiah 45:18. For thus saith the Lord that created Ra the heaven, Shamayim, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it, Ra. It not in vain. Tohu. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Alright, and then over in on page six, we've got point thirty-one. What we have just seen in Scripture is a description of a perfect creation becoming formless and empty. What caused this change begs to be answered. Is there any invent in Scripture which might help us unravel this conundrum? Well, as we search the Scriptures for a possible answer, we soon arrive at one clear and compelling event, one of such size and importance as to set in motion that which would alter the history of planet Earth. In my opinion, that event was Satan's fall. Before time was... Satan chose in his arrogance to fall from heaven. He said in his heart, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. 
I will be like the Most High. And of course, the stars of God there, most have concluded. It's a use of a term which describes the other angels. And I'm going to be just like the Most High. And I'm going to set myself above all the other angels. And of course, from studying the Scripture, we know that those other angels uh, were important because half, a third of them actually, uh, followed Satan and uh, two-thirds followed God. But those are the demons and they may be the pilots on the planes that you see as uh, our many, many sightings have shown. Who knows? Alright, well, he, along with one-third of the angels elected to leave the third heaven and take up residence on planet Earth. And they went according to the scripture, in the sides of the north upon the mount of the congregation. So when Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 is compared with Psalm 48, 2, we begin to see a picture of angelic revelation, revolution, excuse me, of no small proportion being played out on a tiny little planet called Earth. Notice Isaiah 14, 12, reading through verse 15, we get a description of old Lucifer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which he will be ultimately, by the way, which did weaken the nations. Thus we have the national, of course we have the importance of nationalism, one of the four divine institutions. And of course Satan loves to weaken the nations. He loves, in, he loves an, uh, internationalism. For thus said in excuse me, for thou hast said in thine heart, talking about Satan again, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit upon the mount of congregation in the sides of the north. We gotta find out what that is, and we look at Psalm forty eight two for the definition. I will ascend upon the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Psalm 48.2 Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. The city of the great king. So apparently they went down to planet earth. At one, at once perfect creature Lucifer. The morning star fell and chose planet earth as the battlefield and a perfect creature. Christ entered that same battlefield where in perfection he went to the cross on behalf of mankind to resolve what we now call the angelic conflict. There is one more description of Satan. That's in the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. He starts off first talking about the king of Tyre and then obviously he moves to Satan. Son of man, Ezekiel writing, you know, in about 597 B.C., he was in the second dispersion to, to Babylon. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says, you were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And by the way, Tyre was conquered by Alexander the Great. 
You were in Eden. Now we know we're shifting gears and we're no longer talking about the king of Tyre. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. And they're, of course, listed there. Uh, that's why the three dots. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence. You sinned, so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you. This will ultimately happen, you know. A spectacle of you before kings. So when we hear people talk about Satan being red, carrying a trident, having a tail, uh, we forget he wore blue jeans and had blue eyes and a wonderful voice, as we will see, just like, you know, Lou Rawls or Barry White. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuary. So I made a fire come out from you and it consumed you. And I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. So all the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and you will be no more. The ultimate demise of Satan. Of course, when he is cast into the lake of fire forever at the end of the millennium. So God created the heavens and the earth absolutely perfect. Satan rejected God's authority, creating chaos on planet earth, and God in grace restored the planet in preparation for the ultimate victory of Christ over sin and evil. Now that we have a cause for the perfect creation becoming without form and void, let's look further at the process. Scripture teaches that after the restoration, there was no creation process in the physical sense, especially as it relates to matter. Certainly there was change, but not evolution in the strict sense of the word. Scientific study of present processes can therefore lead to no understanding of creation. These events were brought about by divine fiat and thus beyond useful scientific investigation. This teaching of Scripture is supported scientifically by the law of conservation of mass and energy. (laughs) The first law of thermodynamics, which is one of the most basic and best proved laws of physics, The first law of thermodynamics postulates that neither energy nor mass is now being either created or destroyed. Things may change, but nothing new is ever created. Science teaches all has been created that was created. The universal reservoir of energy, which really includes everything in the physical universe, must therefore date from a punctilious point. And that's just as the Bible and the Big Bang Theory declare. Thus, or there is therefore no valid scientific reason to doubt the accuracy of the events recorded in the creation 
and restoration passages. The restoration events occupied a six-day period. Each act was complete, and each was judged by God to be good. The total restoration he called very good. Genesis 1.31 And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And there are those who would say that right there, evening and morning were the sixth day that the earth was round. Because it's evening and it's morning on day six. And that would have to be true. That the earth was round, only later to be discovered, long after 1450 B.C. It would certainly to be be possible that the things restored in the six literal days might at the instant of their creation have had an appearance of age. Uh, this is one supposition that could or could not be true. In other words, those great big trees out there in the California with those big rings, and they're used to judge how old the tree was and thus the earth. Who knows whether or not they were created that way. Just as man was created as a man. Uh, he wasn't created something strange and had to grow into it. Wham! There he was. And then wham, here comes Eve. Alright, this is most obvious in the case of Adam and Eve who were created as mature humans. Therefore, it would be logical to assume such might be for all other objects both animate and inanimate. Just logical. Not declaring that that was the case. All flora and fauna, 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 all flora and fauna may have likewise been so created. For example, trees could have been created with rings depicting years of growth. Alright, the restoration summary. The restoration according to Scripture was accomplished as a series of divine acts They were done in six literal days. These acts were highly organized and completely functioning from the beginning and could very well have been formed with an appearance of age. The restoration was completed and finished during a special period in the past, following which God rested Shabbat in the sense that He had done everything good for man. Thus, there remains no reason why we cannot or should not accept the creation and restoration recorded in Genesis as an historical, literal, and factual account of the specific events which took place just as God declared. I would offer again a caution to our brothers and sisters in Christ. In our study, I hope you notice there is no indication how long the planet has been around. Given the fact we have no idea how long the earth existed in perfection before the fall, that is the fall of Satan, and given the fact that we have no idea how long it took Satan to destroy God's perfection, we must not assert an age for the planet, nor should we attempt to describe what was occurring on earth during either the age of perfection or the age of chaos. And if you want to know more about creation... Chaos and Restoration, I would urge you to get a copy of R.B. Theme's book entitled Creation, Chaos, and Restoration. 
and Clarence Larkin's book, which was written long before Colonel Thame wrote his, entitled The Greatest Book on Dispensational Truth in the World. He was an engineer, oh, actually, excuse me, he was an architect who wrote this great book. I have a copy. The church gave me a copy of that book uh, with a nice little note on it thanking me for my faithful teaching of the Word of God. So now that we know a little about creation by fiat, let's return to godless evolution, the modern alternative. All right, and we'll do that next week, the Lord willing, since it's now time to stop. And uh, other evidence of evolution. And you remember why I wrote this book. I started in 1975, this book, excuse me, this uh, study, because uh, Leslie came to me and said, you know what, Wesley, they're teaching evolution is fact. And uh, our textbook indicates it's fact. And uh, could you do something to give us the other side of it? Or is there another side of it? And I said, yes, I'll be glad to, honey. And I started out on it, and I've been working on it ever since. (laughs) Things do change. All right, we're again pick up next week, the Lord willing, the creek doesn't rise. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and just uh, look at various uh, theories, alternatives, and truths. So now I would uh, certainly ask that if you're out there and you're without hope, without Christ and without eternal life, I would recommend you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we are all in need. And uh, it's important to avoid spending a lifetime in pain and suffering. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, says the Scripture. And I'm going to pause for a moment and close it with our benediction. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of studying Your Word. Now I would ask that God the Holy Spirit would take that which I have presented, make it real, in order that we might grow in Your wonderful grace and become more like our Lord and Savior, even Jesus the Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen.